Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Max Potential Habits podcast. So psyched you're here today again for an inspirational interview. We have on a powerhouse guest today. Her name is Lane Booth. She's the CEO of The Project Booth, and she helps business owners use proven metrics and data to grow their revenue. What really intrigued me about Lane and why I wanted to bring her on is because she decided to take the leap out of her comfy six-figure corporate role to step into her own online business. She worked nights, she worked weekends, and she was pregnant while she did this. So I, I thought this is a great story to bring to all of you because I know that there's a lot of you out there who are doing a side hustle, have kids, really have the dream of building something outside of the corporate world or being your own boss and deciding to take on entrepreneurship. So I wanted her to come on and share her story. So welcome to the show today, Lane. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to share some inspiration with the audience today. Awesome. Yay. I can't wait to hear more. Okay. So share with us, this, this is a big story. First of all, how did you, what were you doing in the corporate world? Yeah, great, great question. So I started out, you know, went through the college path, you know, did all the things society tells you to do, got a nice job at uh, VF Corporation. So I was actually big in supply chain. They're one of the biggest apparel companies um, out there in the world today. And I was the one behind the scenes planning how, how much should we buy of this apparel? How much should we buy of these jeans? And, you know, when are we going to sell them and how? Um, and from there, you know, moving up in the, in the corporate ranks. So went from being a planner to a manager and, um, was continuing on in that path when I realized the higher up I moved, the less time I had with my family. And that triggered, um, a calling for, uh, a change. <laughs> and at the same time, actually a you know, very stable, you know, large company, but at the same time, you know, they go through their rounds of layoffs too. And while I didn't get caught up in the layoff that was happening at the time, it was a spark to recognize that I, I was dispensable. I didn't, they didn't owe me anything and they didn't have to keep me on. And um, at the same time, I didn't have a lot of freedom and flexibility while I had this, you know, young family at home. Um, and then it turns out another one on the way, I <laughs> found out a few months later. Um, and was it really, that was like a, a wake up call that, you know what, I could follow this, this plan that I thought everyone was supposed to do, or I could create something that was a win for me. Uh, okay. I want to dig so much here because I think this is really interesting when we think about that spark moment of pivoting in a new direction and how it gets inspired by many different things often, you know, can be some big challenge in our life or something that happens in the outside world. And, you know, as Lane and I are recording this, it's the middle of COVID we're quarantined. It, 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 it'll be released. Hopefully we will be long out of quarantine <laughs> by the time this episode is released, but that's where we're at today. And I know that a lot of people are sitting in that space of going, I'm not in control of my reality at work. And it's hard to make a pivot when you're working for a company versus having your own company. So that's, that's powerful. You know, that's a realizing you're dispensable. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I mean, and to really stack on what you said there too, Amanda, I mean, it's when you are not in control and control, not to wear like you know, I have to have a firm grasp on every single thing that happens in my life, but for you to 
be able to you to make the pivots in in the ship that you're riding on i mean um there are there's so many things that you can do in your roles in corporate but let me tell you it really opens up when you are you're steering the ship of your own business yeah you have a lot more say and control and honestly a lot more fun (laughs) yeah yeah let's dig there do you because this is interesting right to think about the the cozy comfort of corporate six-figure world versus stepping into entrepreneurship how long did it take for you to get into that place of like oh this is fun my first client Um, I mean, and I'll say like, it's, it's tough to figure out, you know, like, all right, moving from, you know, corporate world to, Hey, maybe I'll do this online business thing. Seems like that would work out nice. Um, to then being like, okay, now how do I actually get clients out of this? Um, there's this big wide world and you know, I put my website up and no one seems to be, you know, calling me. So from there, (laughs) once I, once I figured out that piece and actually got to a spot where where I could find clients, that first client was basically I put together a proposal that sounded really fun for me to help her with her business. So I just like, I picked all the things that I knew I could help her with. And I, you know, put that together in a pretty little package and I was right. I was excited to do it and she was excited for it to, to happen, to help her business grow. Um, so that very first one was, was like the, the yeah. icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah. It's that moment where you're like, yes, this will work. I've got it. I, it's so, so, so fun. Um, <laughs> I, okay. I want to ask, cause to me, it sounds like you were in this inspired path where you went, I, okay, if I'm not going to work in this world anymore and I'm going to create my own business, I'm going to create it exactly like I want to. Will you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think it's so important for people to recognize that you can make money doing what you love. Oh yes. Yeah. So powerful. Um, and, and two, I mean, I have gone through iterations. So what I'm, I'm still that light telling that story, honestly, like lights me up. And then where I think about now, like now I'm not doing, I have my team helping, you know, clients do that sort of thing. So I'll tell you too, it can pivot and change along the way. But when, when I started, um, I took it, I, I looked at it as an opportunity of, you know, I had all these ideas and, and ways I wanted to help my company, but it wasn't my boss's um, direction. They, you know, my boss wanted me to go this direction or that direction uh, when I saw opportunity there, but you know what, it didn't fit in the hours in the day on top of everything else she wanted. So when I looked at, all right, how do I want to generate revenue? How do I want to make money on my own? what is something that is super easy for me to do that I can do like the back of my hand and that honestly, a lot of people think it's torture. <laughs> so yeah. for, for me, and I, and it's funny, like I love data. I can read it. I can understand it. I can tell you where your business is going by glancing at a few numbers. And for other people that I just, I'm in awe of how they can make words like compel people. So like copywriting, I fall flat on my face every time. Show me some numbers, no problem. But then the flip is true. Yeah. <laughs> so the things that, you know, do not spark joy for me that, um, you know, other people are brilliant at figuring out what it is that you can do that you're great at and that you enjoy doing. And uh, don't do something that you're great at that you hate. Yeah. Um, throw that yeah. out there. But, but yeah, I mean, to bring that forward and then to just do that all the time, you even get to hone and um, make that skill that you already have and that you're passionate about honestly, like go to the next level. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, one thing I asked myself when I started my business was always, how can I make money doing what I love? Just like exactly that question. Like, and I always drive my business that way. And if I notice myself feeling disinspired or kind of off in my energy, I'm like, what am I doing that I'm not aligned with? Cause something, you know, it's a guide there and you go, okay, Oh, I really, really love this part. And this part I really need to delegate to someone else. And mm -hmm. so I just keep guiding in that direction, you know, so for listeners, if that's, if that's you, you know, first, I th think it's really inspirational that you were able to just go, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I love doing. And here's what's marketable. And then mm -hmm. start to get out there in that way. I'm curious what, what, when you said until you got the first client, how long did it take you? Let's see. Um, so I was still working full time. So I did start this as a side hustle. So I think it was three months. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I always like to have that background story for listeners who are like, but well, wait, mm -hmm. <laughs> was it a year? Was it a month? <laughs> okay. and, yeah, yeah. And, and definitely like the key for getting started, talking to people you already know, and they're going to know someone that you should talk to. And then that person's going to know someone you should talk to. It's a lot of coffee, what I called coffee chats. I literally like, <laughs> I did have, uh, I used Acuity and I set up a 15 minute block called coffee chat that I would throw out to as many people as, you know, felt relevant. You know, it nice. seemed like we had common interests and I just had chat after chat and I would fill up my lunch hours. I would fill up, you know, that five to six o'clock spot where, you know what, in central time and Pacific time, it still worked for people during their work days. Um, I just had a lot of conversations until finally, like then I knew of some like, Oh, you know what? I have a client that needs that kind of help. And then that's, that's when it started to go. Okay. This is so smart. Let's talk more about this because I know that the number one challenge for new businesses is lead generation, right? Mm -hmm. So you did it really organically. It sounds like when you invited people to the coffee chats, what would you say? Ah, oh, gosh, good question. What did I say? <laughs> I think it was mostly, you know, hey, I wanted to learn more about your business and would love to share a bit about mine as well so we can, you know, know of each other. And then if we run across people that could use our services, then we can help each other out. Nice. Awesome. Okay. Uh, this is so, so, so valuable because one of the biggest questions I get, you know, when people are coming to me going, how do I start a business? They go, I don't know where to find clients. I don't know how to connect that kind of thing. And I did a similar thing on LinkedIn recently. I had, well, let's say first when I started my business, same thing. I didn't do it online, but I went to a lot of networking events. You know, it was just like, okay, I'm putting on my expert hat. I'm going to start calling myself a coach and I'm going to put myself out there, even though I have no clue what I'm doing, really. <laughs> and here we go. And, you know, people start to read that commitment decision and go, oh, you're serious. Here you are. And then exactly that people start asking, oh, well, maybe I don't know, but I might be able to send someone your way. So it's always easiest to start with your warm market. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, going to networking events, you create a warm market. And then there's the online market where I recently started a LinkedIn campaign and did a similar thing. Like I just reach out and I say, let's connect. We connect. And then I say, Hey, I'm looking to create some win-wins. Would you want to hop on a 15 minute zoom and have a conversation about how we can help each other grow our networks? And then who knows, you know, it turns into podcast interviews. It turns into sometimes people joining my group coaching. Sometimes it turns into clients. Sometimes it just turns into a lovely conversation. So it's a really nice way to just be thinking about how to build your business for all of you listening. So that's, that's one of the biggest questions I get. Um, yes. Okay. So let's keep going here. So what was it like in the first year of business growth for you? How did that unfold? Uh, it sounds like you became a mom, a mom second time around the first year in your in that business. 
Yes. So I did want to call out too that one of the other big things that was a, a win for me early on is I did recognize that I could move faster if I had a coach. So if I had someone that had gone before, had laid some foundational work. And um, so I, I did come across a resource that I was, I really resonated with her. I was like, all right, I feel like she can, she can knock off some months, if not years, you know, to my journey here. So um, I'm a big believer in hiring experts that can expedite your path. So, um, you know, <laughs> wherever you are, wherever you want to go, like it's absolutely worth researching and looking into opportunities to do that because that first person that I worked with, um, basically she came on like a couple weeks before I got my first client and helped me not only, you know, find that client to put together a, a proper proposal, but then to also, um, how, all right, now how do I execute now? How do I deliver on that promise? Yeah. Um, cause there were some things I didn't even know on that end. So, uh, and then I've invested in, in other mentors along the way as well. So yeah. I would definitely call that out. <laughs> that I, clearly I agree. I'm, you know, being a business coach, <laughs> but it's, I totally agree. I would not be where I am today if I had not accessed coaches. I mean, I, the reason I'm a coach is because the coaching worked so well for me that it changed my life dramatically. So for those of you listening, you know, if you're looking, Lane's going to talk about her specific way that she helps people with numbers, which lots of people hate to do. And it's a very critical part of your business. For me, obviously, I know that, you know, because I started on food stamps, I like to offer a wide variety of options for people. So I have a $97 a month group coaching program to help people in their businesses. So, you know, I like it to be that no excuse amount where it's like, okay, I can come up with $97 to have a coach. Um, mm -hmm. So I like to offer that to everyone listening. And then, um, you know, of course there's one-on-one -on -one options. It's a, it's an application base, but I still agree. What I'm curious for you, what, what do you think was the biggest thing that your coach gave you? A, a set of expectations. Mm -hmm. So what should you expect when you are um, putting together a proposal? Like what needs to be in, what needs to be in there? What doesn't need to be in there? Um, what should your pricing look like? Um, sh you should get on the call expecting the yes. I mean, like your mindset, big, big piece, especially yeah. when you're brand new, you yeah. feel like you have to give everything away for free. Um, and while you can do some testing and trialing for free or, you know, bartering early on, you don't stay there. <laughs> you need yeah. to move on to those paid, um, options there. And, um, I feel like, yeah, a lot of, all right, now, now you've got the foundation. Now here's what the path forward looks like for you. So, um, you know, how many people do, how many coffee chats do I need to have each month to generate the next client? How, um, what do so, my services need to look like in the future? You know, I, I kind of got my bearings with this first client, but do I want that to look the same for the second. Yeah. Um, and having that person to bounce those ideas off of. Yeah. What I hear there is the importance of tracking which, mm. which is your business so powerfully too. Before we dig into your business and talk about really money and the importance of, of money and, and business building, tell us, how, give some tips some practical tips about working from home and having kids and some mm. of the ways that you navigate that. Because I know a lot of listeners are in that situation and uh, struggle with that kind of balance and in some of the tips around it. So what are your biggest tips there? Yes. Uh, first of all, I love working from home. I know some people feel like they need to get out of the house. I love walking downstairs to my, honestly, like it's a really awesome basement office. I actually have a lot of windows down here, <laughs> but yeah. it's quiet. 
my space. I can get away. Um, and it makes it really easy to be like, oh, well, you know, the day's over. Let me walk upstairs and get hugs from my kiddos. Um, so I, I really love the environment, but I do, I have, this is my space. Kids are not allowed in here 90% of the time. Um, <laughs> so having like, I still have, you know, start hours and end hours. Um, I feel like that's a really important distinction because otherwise on the weekends, it can feel like you're still in the office. Mm -hmm. And, um, also being prepared for that first zoom call where your kid walks in either naked or in like some sort of crazy outfit (laughs) prepared, have your language ready on, sorry, I have a runaway unicorn. I'm going to need to be back in just a moment. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Had them. My six-year-old likes to pop in from time to time. Um, unexpectedly she runs away from the nanny and, um, yeah. she'll hop down here and make an appearance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's so fun too, when you're in the middle of a call, so you, you're trying, you, it's like happening in the side and you're like, oh boy, it's going to happen. <laughs> and you I've can't definitely really done stop the, it in the middle. <laughs> it, it feels like that CNN interview where the, where the guy's like <laughs> trying to shoo away the, the kids in the background. <laughs> totally. I have that with my, my kids are older. So I'll right before I ever do a podcast or things like that, I'll be like, Hey kids, you know, you can't be loud right now, but my dog is, it causes issues. <laughs> often because she loves to hang out with me in my office but I have French doors on my office so she can see the kids walking around out there and so mm-hmm. I'm like, oh she'll whine and then she wants to whine to come back in I'm like okay this is this is an issue <laughs> <laughs> okay so then I'm curious for you do you, you said the the start and stop hours mm-hmm. do you do you follow that pretty rigidly Pretty well, like definitely, I mean, at, at, you know, my end of my day until the kids are in bed is their time. So I'm, I'm fully present with them. If there's some, honestly, like, again, I do stuff that I love now. So if I'm really excited about a project that I'm working on, I might hop on after the kids go, go to bed. I'm like, Ooh, I really wanted to finish up this, this one thing or this email or respond to, you know, my team member on certain thing. Um, but for the most part, I mean, I'll say in the beginning when I was side hustling and figuring it out, there was a lot of nights and weekends, but now that I'm full time, um, at home, really pretty good at, at keeping it at a five o'clock, five o'clock okay. stop. Okay. Awesome. And do you, do you, I'm curious, like, is it because you have younger kids? Do you think, cause what I'm noticing as I'm like comparing, I'm like, huh, I definitely don't have a stop time. And it's something that I often want to work on but then I also you know they're sometimes doing their thing and we'll stop for dinner during I've been loving having them home during COVID because we have family dinner every night because you know Mm -hmm. as older kids they're often out doing extracurricular and with friends and doing all these things and so now they're all here and I'm like yes I have dinner Mm -hmm. with my family every night which is great but when they're not around I often similarly do everything I love and I'm like I'll, I'll be, Oh, it's nine. I should probably stop now. So do you, do you, do you follow that because you want to spend more time with your family? Is it something you recommend for people in terms of creating some balance in entrepreneurship? What I'm really trying to get at is like, what are some of those habits around entrepreneurship for people who are working from home with a family? Mm, yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Uh, for me, I mean, you know, my kids are little and they're at this really cute and snuggly stage right now where, um, yep, five o'clock, like I want to be there for them. And, you know, when I was working in corporate, I was getting home between 630 and seven. And that was definitely a driver for 
um, changing things. So um, I really want to take advantage of that as often as possible to, to get that time with them while they're little. Um, But I, I, um, I also like, I have thought about, all right, is this going to change when they get older? And I think it it might change like hours based, like maybe, but maybe I work two days, two long days a week and I don't work the other days (laughs) out of the week, whatever that looks like. Because at the same time, I'm building this business so that I have freedom and flexibility and and impact and income. Um, And so my long-term vision is to travel, you know, when COVID is not rampant or prevalent, you know, I want to go live in other countries. I want to spend time there. So um, I think for me, it's figuring out what that new balance looks like. But my goal is not to, I mean, I want to provide impact for my clients, but I also want to live this beautiful life that um, I was put on this earth for. So uh, with that, I think it's still important to, to go into your work week, planning what you're going to do, planning what your outcomes are and planning how you're going to achieve them so that you don't get lost in just, Oh, well there's, cause there's always one more thing. There's always yeah, one more thing you could do. Definitely. So yeah. definitely need, setting the expectation, tell your days where you want them to go instead of wondering where they went. Yeah. Smart. Okay. I want to talk to you about numbers because this is something that I know so many of my listeners, if it, I wish you all were watching because she's like, Ooh, getting ready for the mastery, you know? So this is like, this is your jam. And I love that it's your jam because I think a lot of people avoid the numbers of their business. And, mm-hmm. you know, I often talk to people about their, one of the max potential habits being making sure that you're always looking at your numbers, because if you don't know where you are, how can you know where you want to go and you need to be tracking and all these different things. So I want to hear, mm-hmm. you know, give us first, what is it exactly that your business does? And then we'll dig from there. Absolutely. Yeah. So we love helping fellow online businesses to really ramp up and scale their business in a way that generates more profit and more time. Um, you know, and so for whether it's, you know, courses or programs or, or products, um, we show up to interpret the numbers. We really want to help you bring the data and lessen the drama as you're growing and scaling. Because if you are running from your gut, if you're shooting from the hip on every decision, you're going to have some, some meltdowns happen along the way. And we want to minimize, minimize those as much as possible. Um, and so for us, it's all about, uh, you know, oftentimes the way we think about it is, uh, your, your data interpreter, um, you know, since so many people, like I can show them a spreadsheet and their eyes glaze over, but if I look at it, I can say, Hey, your email list is, uh, you know, seeing some, some open rates. There's probably something wrong you know, do we have an issue with, with X, Y, or Z, or we can look at your Google analytics and I can see that, you know what, this page is underperforming. Um, what, what are some strategies we can do to, you know, turn that around? Um, you know, I, I can understand it and see it. And then it becomes a very easy conversation to strategize with the CEO on how do we fix it? And by, you know, finding those little things, those little nuggets really everywhere (laughs) hidden in your business, whether it's in the marketing or the operations or the financials, then you get to continue to up level and improve your profitability with really, without really changing the core structure of your business. And so it's a very easy, low hanging fruit that most people aren't even aware of. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So give me an example of, uh, I know you work with, you work with larger companies mostly. We're, we're, 
tend to focus on folks that are probably multi-six to multi-seven figures. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you go in and you're basically doing data analysis of the overall performance of their business based on the leads that they have coming in, the way that they're navigating and managing them, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot of steps. There's a lot of things that could be happening in their business. So um, the way we work with folks, I mean, for an example, we worked with a, a Pinterest um, marketer, digital marketer. Um, she had an agency where she was working with several clients and um, we had to actually start at a more of a profitability on her services. So what were the services she was offering? How was that what kind of results were her clients seeing and how much time was it taking for her team to execute on those services? And so for her, we actually found out that, Hey, one of your high, high end packages is actually the least profitable. It takes up more of your time. And so it was like, all right, time and money are worse here. Like, all right, let's just take that off the table. Um, because the clients are actually seeing just as good results, if not better with the other service packages. Mm. So it made it very easy to say no to that when it would have otherwise been hard. Like, Hey, SEO, we want to hold on. We want to have that one-on-one -on -one time with, with all of our clients forever yeah. and ever. Um, and instead we really brought a lot of relief and, you know, Oh, well the clients are going to see just as good of results and I don't have to do it. Great. That's done. You know, yeah. brush off your hands and move on. And, um, in addition to that, I mean, we were also able to prove to her clients that, Hey, here's the traffic that we're driving to your website. We were able to discover that one click is worth, you know, $2 or is worth, you know, whether it's $2 or two pennies and times the traffic, we were able to distinguish, Hey, the value of the services, whether, you know, whatever the, the tr monthly charge was, they were seeing, you know, 10 X the results on, on their blog traffic or on yeah. you know, website conversions. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that you can unlock when yeah. you know where to look. Awesome. Okay. So for, I know a lot of my listeners are solopreneurs, small business on their way to the six, seven figure mark. What are some tips that you could give in terms of ways to analyze what they have going on now? I, I always tell people it's really important to be doing a constant ROI review, you know, what you're mm. talking about, like, where's my return on investment? Where is it the highest? And how do I analyze that? So what kind of tips could you give in that way if people are going, okay, I, I hear the importance of that. What, where do I go to look first? Mm -hmm. So the, the first thing, if you, if you're a solopreneur, you want to make sure that whatever it is you're selling, whether it's, you know, um, hours or packages or retainers, whatever it is, what is the profit margin on the services or the goods that you're offering? Because if they're not profitable, anything else you do to scale it up is just going to actually drain money from you instead of, you know, helping you actually achieve your income goals. So it's really, and oftentimes I'll see this mistake is where, you know what, they started, you know, offering this thing and then they, they changed one or two things along the way, or they pivoted a little bit, but they kept that same price and uh -huh. they haven't, they haven't caught up with all the additional work and all the additional knowledge and all the additional value that they actually bring to the table now. Gotcha. And they're still, you know, pedaling <laughs> at a very slow speed on, on this this product that really isn't serving them very well in the long run. Okay. Well, how often would you recommend that they review? At least annually, if not um, more frequently. I mean, depending on how big your business is, if you're 
um, if you're making a fairly substantial change, you should evaluate it at that point in time. Otherwise, annually looking at your, your services and saying, all right, how many do I offer this package wise? Do I offer this hourly? And at what kind of profit am I making? Because if you're not depending on your model, it might be essential that you may, you have 40% profit or you might be able to you know, squeak out with 15% profit um, on certain packages and things like that. So um, being very clear on, on that when you make a change or at least annually. Okay. Awesome. And I want to break it down like super practically for people. So when you say do a profit margin, like ask yourself, what's the profit margin? What does that look like on a really practical couple step basis? Yeah. So let's say um, you have a thousand dollar retainer package um, that you offer to your clients. So if you are um, a solopreneur, then all right, well, most of that thousand dollars should be going to you unless you have to use a lot of systems um, or software to make that happen. Um, you know, a, an example might be, um, hey, I'm using, um, you know, Infusionsoft or, you know, some sort or maybe a scheduling tool and things like that. So, hey, I've got a thousand dollar retainer, but also it required that I have, you know, $300 worth of so software to accommodate that. Right. And that's $300 off your profit. So now we're already down to 70%. Yeah. There's only 700 bucks coming to you. Um, and then do you have to hire a, a bookkeeper? So like yeah. most people are thinking about that initial amount and they're not thinking about all the things that they are purchasing within their business to support that retainer client. Yeah. And that's where it really starts chipping away. You might get really excited like, Oh, I found this new great software that does X, Y, and Z. Well, all right, well that just chipped away at your <laughs> retainer. So if it right. helped you yeah. do it better, then maybe you need to increase your prices. Yeah. Yeah. I always think about software in those, it's like you're delegating to something. So it's like mm -hmm. hiring someone to delegate. So you, 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 you analyze that cost in the overall cost of running your business. So I, I'm often surprised by how people overlook those things that could actually increase their profitability dramatically. You know, mm -hmm. so it's like just questioning every, I was, I was thinking you were going to say every quarter, I was interested in the annually or more, you know, thinking about profit margin, I guess it depends on how often you change your services mm -hmm. and packages and what stage you're at in the game and how long standing they have been and that kind of thing. But, you know, it's like that idea of, you know, I always think about money mindset, how when you're responsible with your money, the universe wants to bring you more money to be responsible with, but when you neglect it, you're less magnetic. And so there's this idea of like, okay, I want to be in the dirt with my money all the time playing. <laughs> and so, you know, I love looking at my money. I'm like, Ooh, what's going on here and what's going on here and how can I tweak this and how can I tweak that? But I know for some people it terrifies them. So I'm curious for you, what would you say is the number one fear that you notice coming up for business owners when you're working with them and realizing that they're not doing these things, what, what would you say is driving that? It's a, it's a really good question. You know, I feel like a lot of the clients that we work with, um, you know, they've, they've, they've gone over a lot of the hurdles that you might have as a, as an earlier, you know, entrepreneur. Yeah. The, the biggest thing though is wanting to do good by their clients um, to make sure that they're getting a good deal, that they're, they want to make sure their clients aren't overpaying for anything. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, I remember this example of um, someone that worked, I think we worked with Tony Robbins uh, back in the day, but 
they offered like free coaching for a couple months and like 30% of the people showed up and then they offered it for a thousand dollars and yeah. 50% of the people. Show. And then they offered it for $10,000 and 98% yeah, <laughs> of those yeah. people showed up and got the coaching. <laughs> yep. So I think the biggest hurdle is just understanding that the outcomes that you are, are getting for your clients, they need to show up too. And so understanding that money is a way for them to show up and get their outcomes yeah. is a big piece that, you know, it's, it's like that unlocking point um, to really being able to scale at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that, that basic idea that's really powerful to remember that people value what they pay for mm -hmm. <laughs> or other, and it goes the other way too. They pay for what they value. So it's like often I've heard people doubling their fees and getting more business overnight because all of a sudden their perception is that you're providing more value. And so mm -hmm. people are like, oh, I'll pay for that at that rate. But, but when it's not at that rate, I don't somehow see the value in it, which seems counterintuitive, but it does. Really yes. Powerful. And, and it's too, I mean, and I feel like a lot of, you know, business owners started out as like a side hustle or, you know, kind of like me where they start out in corporate. And so you feel like your value is your old hourly wage. Yeah. And that's not the case. You've really got to throw that in the trash and yeah. start start back with what's the value that I bring to the client? What's the value that I bring to this person? Yeah. Um, how is it going to change their life, their business? And that's the, the money mindset that you really got to dial in. Yeah. Yeah. Getting out of the hourly mindset and the W2 kind of employee type of thing and going, it's, it's funny because I just finished a, uh, <laughs> a consult and I was doing, we were talking exactly about this charging what you're worth and, and it, increasing the perceived value and you yourself, when you don't charge what you're worth, noticing what the value you bring to the table is so that you can, when you step into the game and you go like, here's what I charge, you have no problem saying it because you're like, I'm actually giving you a hundred times what I'm charging <laughs> because your long-term ROI is, you know, it's like for what you do, if you come in and you do that diagnostic analysis of people's business and you tweak one thing and it brings them extra million dollars that year, that's mm -hmm. huge. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and what's cool too, is like, I had to think that way before I saw those results. Yeah. Now it's really easy to think that way because I have seen our clients hit their next million. I have seen them increase by multiple six figures in 12 months. I have seen them save tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And it, and now it's like, well, of course, like now when I get on calls, I'm like, guys, this is a no brainer. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Just talk to, to, you know, Cindy over here, just talk to Wendy, whoever it is. Yeah. Um, and you can see these. Um, okay. That's juicy. So that's so powerful because it's that uh, concept and I love saying this and having people really get it. It's not what you, it's not, you see what you believe. It's you believe what you see. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to have the belief system first, but, but when you're new in entrepreneurship, that's very hard because you feel like an imposter because you haven't gotten there yet. So what's a good tip for people there? Yeah, it's, uh, I actually, I did draw on my corporate experience. So I, you know, I worked for a company and I, um, the assets that I managed, basically the, the products I was in charge of were, um, basically a $400 million business. And so between me and my team, like the, at the end of the day, we were in charge of making sure we hit 400 million and we didn't you know drop, or if we, if we did, we better have a darn good reason as to why. 
And so for me, <laughs> it was like, oh, well, actually, I've already, I've already done this. I've already been in charge of some really big numbers. I've already um, brought value. I've already, you know, I've already seen the sales trends and told them that they needed to buy hundreds of thousands of dollars more because I could see the writing on the wall that that was coming. Yeah. So I did have to draw on my experience, but it, I had to kind of look at it from a different lens. Yeah. I like that. So for everyone listening, it's really about you perceptually seeing your own value, drawing on your past experience and the value that you've already brought to the table because, you know, it's on when you're stepping into entrepreneurship, you're using the skills you already have, what you love doing and what's marketable. So you bring that to the table and you go, okay, like maybe I'm, I haven't made it yet in this specific business because it's new or grown or just getting started, but how have I done it somewhere in the past so that you can remind yourself because it's just the perception of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I still have to do that now because, yeah. you know, when I started my business, I stuck to the product side of things. So we started out really focusing on supply chain and how we can help e-commerce. And then I started getting, you know, into, all right, well, these online businesses need help too. And they offer programs, they offer courses, um, things like that. So the application of what we do for folks is fairly similar. So but I hadn't done it for, you know, this particular type of client before, but I knew, Hey, if we made it, if I made it from corporate to e-commerce, then I can absolutely make it to courses yeah. and programs too. Yeah. Okay. This is so valuable because I think for everyone listening, it's, you know, this conversation is about the process that we go through in our minds as we're building our business and how do we navigate? Because across the board, I see people going through the similar process, you know, where they're like, I doubt myself. I'm not sure. I don't know if I charge enough. I'm not sure when to do the numbers. I don't, you know, how often the places where people have kind of those habits that aren't setting them up for success, it's all, it's all there. So I love mm. these conversations. So thank you for sharing your experience through the process because, you know, I think it's really, really helpful for people to hear that they're not the only ones going through that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say too, to stack on that too, the, the other biggest thing is you have to sometimes take action to see you know what your bearings are so yes um you you can you can think through it you can process it you can put your best ideas together but until you go and do and try that's where the real learning takes place yeah yeah so dive in everyone stop being scared dive in go for it and you'll learn along the way Absolutely. All right. So tell <laughs> us what, what are your top three max potential habits that you think got you where you are today? Mm, so I guess one of which kind of touched on is action. You've got to take action. You know what? You're probably going to make 80% right choices and 20% stinkers. And you're just going to bless and release those and focus on the 80% that you got right. <laughs> nice. I love it. Um, the other, the other piece is really follow through. I mean, if, you said you were going to do something. You said you were going to try it. If you were, were going to attend that network meeting, follow through. You, you told yourself when you were in a right state of mind, that this is important, that it needed to be done. So follow through and make it happen. And then the last one is um, kind of on, on, in your world, Dr. Amanda, is you know, really having a morning routine that gets your mindset in the right frame to be successful throughout your day. Um, yeah, which is really hard for me to say as a numbers person, cause I think numbers can conquer <laughs> all things. <laughs> um, but the further along I got, the more I realized that 
to be, you know, a world-class leader, to be CEO of my business, to be able to lead my team as I'm growing and scaling. I've got to show up every day as, as a leader, as someone with integrity, as someone with commitment, as someone with drive, as someone with, you know, uh, a heart of a teacher. And when I sit down in the morning and I, and I, I journal and I'm, I'm, Hey, this is what I'm grateful for. This is, you know, what the outcomes I'm looking for this week that sets me up for success every single day. Nice. These are awesome. I love action. I, and, I mean, follow through and action are aligned, right? It's like they create that positive feedback loop where you go, I actually do what I say I'm going to do. And then that develops your confidence. And as you take the action, you start to do, I, I like how you describe it. You know, it's like, you can't, for some reason, what popped into my head was like a sailboat, like sitting in the, in the, like cove, not going anywhere. Like how are, how are you going to go anywhere if you don't take action? And then you start to get out there and you start to realize like, oh, this is what I need. This is what I need. That's what I need. And you can't mm -hmm. see it until you get in the mat, in the mix and in the mess mm -hmm. and in the fun of it. So those are awesome. Share with us, you know, so I know a lot of people here are going to be interested in, in looking at what you have. Will you talk a little bit about like who the right person is for you and then share where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, again, you can find us at theprojectbooth.com. We work with those that are, you know, in that multi six figures. So, you know, whether you're, you know, low six figures or you're, you know, on the brink of that next million, um, once you've been in business for a couple of years, you've kind of figured out where the accelerator pedal is. We want to help you get there and optimize those little pieces along the way. So, um, yeah, you know, I tell people I'm kind of like your funnel leaks fixer. <laughs> so whether it's, you know, issues on the, on the lead generation side, whether it's issues in your backend operations or actually all the way feeding through to your finances at the end of the day, um, we want to make sure that your business is really humming and running on all cylinders, like a well-oiled machine. And we figure out what's broken by looking at the numbers. And then when we see what's broken, then we have an opportunity to fix it. And we partner and lock arms with our clients one-on-one -on -one to make sure that that happens. Awesome. And you do, you meet virtually. Yes, we do. Okay. Big proponent of Zoom as the entire world is familiar with this platform now. Yeah. Yeah. Good <laughs> thing I, I bought stock in it right before this all happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the great thing about, you know, being an online business too, is a lot of the software is available online. So that's a, a very great, you know, it's a really nice way to partner with our clients because we can, we can all see what's happening with their software virtually. Um, and it makes it really easy to connect and uh, make, see how A is talking to B and B is talking to C um, with all the digital platforms and software that people are using. Awesome. And I know I, it's funny because I was listening, I listened to you on a few minutes of another podcast when I was like, oh, let's make sure we're a good fit and all those things. And I remember you talking about a dashboard where, you know, it's like mm -hmm. people can interact with it and engage with it. So, you know, if you're out there listening and you're like, oh, this sounds incredible. I can tell that Lane is someone who helps you know what's going on in your business. It's not just like you go in and take over. You're teaching analytics. You're doing those analytics, helping diagnose, but then you're actually giving tools for people to run their business more powerfully. Yeah. We, we found a lot of folks, I mean, we tend to work with mostly creative entrepreneurs. I feel like, you know, that's kind of a, um, a, a similarity that we see with folks and most people are very visual learners. So yeah. one thing that to, to help our clients, we actually, put your data into what we call a dashboard. 
Um, so if you've got, you know, an email software and you've got QuickBooks and then you've got, you know, stuff happening on social media with Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, then we actually hook onto that and pull all the metrics from all those different places into one source of truth and one dashboard where you can see what's really happening. It's kind of like your, your air traffic control <laughs> room where you can see what's happening at all sorts of your, all places of your business without having to log into 20 different places. Nice. Um, so it's a great way to keep a, you know, that thumb on the pulse of what's happening in your business without having to be everywhere and everything. Love it. That is awesome. Okay. Any last takeaways? How about your favorite book that you're reading in the last couple months? Ooh, um, I just finished Built to Sell by John Warlow. Um, and that was a really, really interesting read. I love how, um, you know, they talk about being really good at your one thing and how you don't have to do everything for everyone um, nice. by creating basically, you know, a productized service that makes it really easy for people to refer to you. It makes it easy to scale your business. And whether you are building your business for, for you, or if you do want to sell at some point down the road, then have the structure in place now to where it's very easy for you to make that decision versus feeling like you've got to scramble and restructure everything when the opportunity comes up. Nice. I haven't heard of that one. I'm going to check it out. That is a great reference or resource. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome to have you here today and talk about the power of numbers. You're, you're <laughs> juicy. You're juicy, love. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for being here this week again. I hope you got a lot out of it. Rewind, listen again, and contact Lane at theprojectbooth.com. The and I will be back next week with another episode to help you max your potential so you can drive and feel alive. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Max Potential Habits podcast. If you're liking what you've heard, it would be so incredibly awesome if you would subscribe to the channel and leave a five-star rating and a written review. This helps me help more people while we grow our NFA community so we can rock it out together. For Max Potential Habits resources, go to nfacoaching.com where you can access all of my resources. There's free eBooks, PDF checklists, a journal template, a business mindset meditation kit, and so much more. Plus links to NFA coaching on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And if you're super serious about up-leveling, there's also a link to schedule a free consult to work with me in group or one-on-one -on -one coaching. Until next time, I hope you have a Max Potential Habits Day where you get inspired to do whatever it takes to transform into the most empowered version of yourself so you can lead a rich, thriving, kick-ass life and business.